Fat Force Radio. Fat Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? Hey guys, Dustin Wynn. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. Listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Tom King. I write Batman Bitch. And this is Bat Force Radio. Welcome back to a new episode of Bat Force Radio. This is a very special edition, and it's one that we've been planning for a while. We're kind of, you know, because of the situation, no new books are coming out. We're kind of digging back into the file to uh, a classic. We've collected a group of friends of the Force. Let's introduce everybody. First, we've got Teezus from New York. What's up, everyone? We've got Robin Cross from Canada. Hey, hey. We've got Everything Batman 219 from New York. Cheers. <laughs> We've got Bat Force Grumps from <laughs> New York. Hello. We've got Vigilantes and Villains from New York. What's up, what's up? We've got a very special guest, the Cult of the Batman from New York. And I am... Grandpa Batman. So let's dive into this book. Oh, first, let's do the little intro thing. This is Bat Force Radio, the DC affiliated podcast with no wiki needed. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're going to talk about Batman, the cult, written by Jim Starlin with artwork by Bernie Wrightson. This was a book that originally was published in 1988 in a four part miniseries. On premium format, much like another title written by Frank Miller two years before. And just like that book, it kind of followed suit as a more darker, adult-themed Batman story that started to become more and more popular and in the 80s. Opening up on page one, we get this this view of this house on this hill. And that, I mean, to me, that just... Looks like it's straight out of a horror movie. What What did you guys first think of that? Yeah, that's definitely it reminds me of Kelly Jones artwork. Honestly, yeah, definitely that horror <laughs> feel up on a hill and everything. Sure. I was sort of yeah, disbelieved uh, too. Like wondering, all right, how? Um, obviously, we find out. Um, well, we find out what it is, but Bruce is wondering, like, you know, how did he never see this house before on this property? So it's super intriguing right from the get go. Yeah, I mean, it starts off, and he even says something like, I know I should run to my father and report this strange trespass. And it's just that phrase right there. It, it kind of shows you that the mindset, a little bit into the mindset. Here's Bruce Wayne, Batman, and even still, as an adult, he still has this thought that I need to go to my father. You know, mm-hmm. there's this part of psychology that, you know, whenever something traumatic, something happens to someone at a young age, it, it like freezes that moment in their mind. And even though they may grow to adulthood, in a way, they're still that person at that moment that that event happened. And in 
Bruce Wayne's psyche, he's still a you know a small child dependent on his father at some point for certain certain instances. I, I I found that pretty fascinating. And the fact that he picks his dad too, and not his mom, like the paternal character being more comforting in this case than the maternal one. Yeah, it's like his guardian. You know, he 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 yeah. thinks of his dad as his guardian. You know, right, right. Makes him feel safe. And I love, you know, below that, you know, Bernie writes and he can draw a story in like four panels. And that's what he does where he shows Bruce wandering through that house with like this big old cannon and all this armory. And it's the same picture just broken up in different periods of time as he's walking through this house that uh, he's found. And that happens over and over in the book later on. I, I just love that sequence like that. He's good at and, that. And uh, we also see the uh, this returning theme. Like one of the first things we see here is uh, Batman sort of becoming himself to, in his mind, changing from from that scared boy, turning into Batman, and then killing Joker. And that's a theme that we see later on in the series as well. So we see this theme of when Batman is hallucinating from. Uh, what we'll see, he's been drugged by Deacon Blackfire. What he keeps hallucinating is himself killing his villains. Yeah. And that, that speaks yeah. to you know something that is clearly on his conscience, the fact that you know, the, these villains that he deals with over and over again continue doing the things they do because he hasn't done this. Yeah, and I mean, it shows, you know, he, metaphorically, but also in his mind, he's physically walking down and it, it says each step downward brings me closer to the fear, you know, the fear of, you know, whatever the bats, you know, that he, that he's afraid of as a kid, you know, the fear of the gun from the gunman that, uh, you know, killed his parents. Everything about his life is based on this fear. And in his mind, he is literally walking a set of stairs down to this fear. Yeah, and and you see him after he goes down the stairs. Then it it leads him to, you know, he he finds a trap door in the floor, and this this theme of going towards fear, towards this fear underground, uh, is obviously very similar to uh, to the cave that he fell down into as a child. Right. I also want to jump jump into like even when you just jump into the first page, I think the thing that really captivates you is the use of colors and the brushstrokes. Oh, because yeah. that really, the the color is so important in the story because it really takes you through his emotions and also takes you to those like psychedelic states that he's going through. And as you'll see, each page will change color, and it kind of helps give another layer of emotion on what is going on in his head. So the the color is just really captivating from page one, you know. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. It seems like there's a limited color palette on each page and it's, it's almost like a character in itself and uh, Bernie, Bernie Wrightson definitely has his own uh, clear style in his art but throughout this story depending on the situation his his art style that he used ranges anywhere from uh, like Grums mentioned Kelly Jones style and you see a lot of pages that he's doing a very similar Bill Sienkiewicz kind of style as well mm-hmm mm-hmm and there's a lot of red, a lot of blood, a lot of blood red throughout this issue. Yeah. Color artist is Bill Ray, by the way. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Really beautiful. This book came out uh, 
following the popularity and the the acclaim of the Dark Knight Returns, and uh, it shares a lot of uh, similar themes to Dark Knight Returns, obviously, and other Frank Miller work as well, uh, where it hits really hard on themes of the high level of crime that's in the city, uh, using Gotham as a very clear analog for New York in the story. It's even referenced when the citizens of Gotham are running from the city. Uh, it's referenced that they're they're going across to Jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also yeah. uses themes mm-hmm. of politics and the media, but you know, with maybe a, mm. a little less of the disdain that uh, the disdain for the the uh, polit- politicians that Frank Miller used. Uh, and maybe a darker and more shocking level of of crime, at least for the time in comics, uh, because this was a rare case where you would see a character or characters multiple who were not Joker responsible for mass murders, beheading people, yeah. hanging bodies in the street. Gory. And yeah. then even what happens with Batman, like you, uh, things get so dark in this. You have even Batman being broken and having to, to leave and regroup. And uh, yeah, that's, you can't really get much darker or, uh, or further into the theme of all being lost in Gotham than having Batman being thoroughly physically and mentally defeated. And uh, even when he returns, you know, to, uh, coming towards the end of the story, he's still so unsure of himself. It's almost like they, this, you know, this book and Dark Knight Returns and stuff were almost like the blueprint for like today's black label. I mean, because in those two titles alone, you're seeing Batman at a level of violence that previously wasn't really used that much. And especially in this book, um, this book really pushed the boundaries of, of what you can show in a, in a comic. I mean, perfect example is, you know, as, uh, Joker appears and, and Bruce, transforms from a scared little boy into Batman and just goes batshit crazy on Joker with an axe. Was that a pun? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, the story wouldn't have existed as you were guys were saying earlier without the work of Frank Miller. I mean that blew the that blew the doors wide open and allowed, you know, Jim Starlin and Bernie Wrightson to to tell this story. And back when I read it when it first came out in eighty eight, um I remember after it was right after you know dark night and just shocked at the level of violence and darkness because it felt even darker in some ways than um the dark knight did i'm uh, sure readers of, at that time were like what what are they doing with batman are they it's, yeah it's what i thought it's what i thought i mean it was like you know heavy politics heavy religion um and really <clears throat> and intent and you know intensely told story i feel like um i feel like this book like you guys are just talking about, like you know, the violence and like you know the the gloomy, like um, I guess like city cityscapes of uh, Gotham, kind of like almost goes back to like you know, like I always say, like uh, the golden age of Batman. Because if you really like read the first omnibus and anywhere from like Detective Twenty Seven to maybe like slightly before Batman One, I mean, Batman was kind of like a really dark, gloomy guy. I mean, as much as you can be at that particular time. But, you know, like there's there was, you know, panels of him like, you know, uh, or people getting stabbed with a knife or him pushing someone off a ledge or, you know, talking about killing someone. And then they kind of like, you know, made it a little bit more, I guess, 
kiddish, like when they had uh, Robin come in on Detective. Very 30. campy. Yeah, and like it was more like, all right, Batman's for like more like kids now. I guess maybe they had like an issue of like talking to people about, you know, uh, killing people or death or murder, things like that, you know? Because like the first story is like, you know, it's him on a murder mystery, you know, about, you know, so it's Batman's always for me, Batman's always been a dark character. So like for me to read something like this was like a complete like treat for me. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, I was always afraid to read Jim Starlin. Because, like, I'm thinking to myself, like, man, this, like, huge guy with, like, all these, like, colorful stones and space and, you know, like, Thanos, like, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, I thought it was, like, just, like, a joke, you know? I was like, this guy can't write Batman, like, you know? And then, you know, I had an argument, not an argument, but, like, me and Grumps were talking about uh, the KG beast, the, the Mezco toy. He's like, yo, are you going to get it? And I was like, nah, man, I don't, I don't really know much about it, so I'm not going to buy something I don't know much about. He's like, oh, you got to read Jim Starlin, you know, Batman, whatever, the Ten Nights of the Beast. And then, you know, that's when he put me onto it. And I was like, oh, damn. I was like, this guy's pretty dark and, you know, pretty crazy with Batman. Like, it's, it's pretty good, you know? That's why. Yeah, so that's why same guy that same guy that killed Jason Todd. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And that's where <laughs> yeah. some of the irony is in the story, because, you know, he wrote Death in the Family, but he also wrote this with Jason Todd being <laughs> yeah. kind of predominant in both of them. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah like, he, he really wrote uh, Jason being Batman's saving grace in this story. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was like... With the, with the slap. Yeah. I was, you know, I was like, uh, I'm not, like, really a big, big Jason Todd fan, but, like, I did appreciate, like, for once in a while, they're giving Jason, like, this, you know, I'm a good guy, like, you know, I'm leading Batman, and, you know, like, they kind of give him, like, a, a feel-good type, which normally doesn't really happen for him. Like, you know what I mean? He's more like a... For me, anyways, is like is like a neglected like kid that no one cares about, and that's why they killed him off. I mean, that's why they got voted off, right? Well, it's funny because like this, you know, this title here, the cult, came out I think like August through September, October, November, and then Death and the Family came in December of '88. So yeah. immediately after he yeah he, he was already <laughs> writing the Death while this book's being published. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, like I said, the book was good because, like, this whole thing, like, with Deacon being, like, you know, bathing in blood and keeping him young and stuff like that, that was pretty cool. Like, you don't, you don't really hear about that kind of stuff and, you know, I guess uh, Batman stuff nowadays. I mean, I guess it's, like, more like an 80s thing because uh, you don't really, like, kind of, like, hear about these kind of stories anymore, you know? It's different. I think Robin served a purpose, you know, his original purpose was to, you know, balance Batman and, you know, be the light. Uh, and even in this book, he, you know, Robin is the one that brings Batman to the light out of the darkness. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. Agreed. You know, I have, uh, I don't even know if there's a question, just kind of a, an observation that I'm kind of surprised that, um, you know, we have Batman like chained up uh, with his arms over his head for a length of time. I don't know if it was days or weeks at this point, but um, he's never unmasked by uh, by Deacon Blackfire, and I was I just always wondered about that. Like, why didn't he? I feel like that would have broken him even more, even more quickly, even quicker. Absolutely, yeah. Great. So, like, why do you leave the mask on? Hmm. I don't know. It's probably symbolic because it was like, if you have Batman on your side, and uh, you know how like he disappeared for a while, and everyone's like, "Where's Batman?" And right. Later on right. in the story, you find out that 
they're like, oh, we, we hear that, you know, Batman's joining forces with the Deacon. And, and that, imagine how the people would have thought, like, oh, my God, maybe this is a good guy. Maybe we should follow, you know. Because you know, I think and, it was more of a like symbolic symbol of having him on his side. I think and, it and, might have and okay, even, the mask uh, is the power, though, isn't it? The mask yeah. is the power. And, and, even, uh, yeah. and even to Deacon's guys that he already has on his side, if he shows them that he has brought Batman over to his side, you know, that, that's a much more powerful uh, tool than him having brought this unmasked man over. Right, right, yeah, right. That's true. Yeah. Well, yeah, Deacon, yeah. Deacon, you know, he uses his totem as a symbol of his own power, you know, and I think he's also using Batman as a totem saying, look, I can bring this powerful, you know, person Oh, and I can convert them. If he takes the mask off, then he's just another man. Right. Yep. But if yeah. he leaves the mask on, he's a symbol, and the followers will be like, "Man, he's he's bringing Batman in, not just right. Bruce Wayne." You know, Batman's with us. Yeah. You know, I really. That's I thought, a good question. I mean, that well. Yeah. I thought Deacon was pretty powerful, like, just for the fact of like him breaking the you know, breaking him, like in general. I mean, not many people have done that. Obviously, he did it before Bane did it. So you know. yeah. <laughs> pretty legendary. Yeah. It is legendary. I, th I think he was the first guy to do it, right? I yeah. Mean, wasn't he the first guy? Yeah. I, so, I, mean, I believe so. Right there just sets the tone. It's just like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's very symbolic right there itself. <laughs> well, outside, outside of Wacky's 60s stuff where he, you know, got hypnotized and things like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah well, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the 60s were a crazy time in comics. I think that was like, like <laughs> honestly, like after the seventh, I think after the seventh omnibus with uh, the picture of the Red Hood on it, that's like like what it was like beginning into the '60s. Like I think it was like after '55. That's like when like Neil Adams like and stuff like that started coming in. It was like I don't know, that's the stuff I just didn't read. I didn't care to read it. It was just not my Batman, you know. So hmm. it was just I don't know. Hashtag that not my Batman. <laughs> yeah, like you know, everyone has their own Batman. Like you know, people were like you know. Michael Keaton's my Batman, like, you know, that's what I grew up with, like, you know, it's just nostalgic. You know, for me, like, obviously, I didn't grow up in the 30s, obviously, I'm not speaking Blackfire over here, but, I mean, um, <laughs> you know, we're living in eternal. You're not beating your blood, bro. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to go bathe in some blood, actually, right now, guys, I'll be back. So. Um, anyways, you know, like, for me, like, you know, I love the Golden Age Batman, because that's where it started. And, you know, for me, like, it also resonates well with me because, you know, my dad was a comic collector. You know, he got into this stuff and he was always collecting comics. And, you know, that grew into that. And he always told me, you got to read this, you got to read that. Like, you know, so that's the reason, kind of the reason why I always choose the golden age over anything besides Frank Miller. Besides Frank Miller. <coughs> Other than that, that's, you know, that's my Batman, I guess. Hmm. So for the listener, you know, kind of circling back around, the main antagonist in the cult is this character named Demon Blackfire. And, you know, he is portrayed as this uh, basically like an immortal shaman who at one point was um, a shaman for a tribe of Indians at the birthplace of Gotham and was... Uh, his tribe turned away from him and, and, you know, entombed him in a cave and tied to this totem pole. And, you know, I think it's kind of ironic that here we are talking on talking about this on uh, Good Friday, you know, because there is, a, you know, a little bit of 
religious, you know, this is where Jim Starlin tied in some of the religious themes, you know, because Demon Blackfire is kind of this uh, messiah character, you know, he's he's ever living. He he was shot with three arrows, which could have represented the three crosses. He was stabbed through the side with a spear, just like, you know, Jesus was on the cross. He was put in a cave and they rolled a stone across. So you can see how Starlin is, you know, creating this, um, you know, imagery with that whole theme. And then using that as now how everything in, in our society gets twisted a little bit. And, you know, and Demon Blackfire, you know, uses his abilities and is converting the the poor, the homeless to his cause where he's he's telling them, you know, Gotham is overcome with so much crime and, and the people that are running Gotham are so crooked and, and unfair and they're the they're the bad guys. They're the ones that need to be overthrown and he has a mission and and pulls those those people into his cause. The reveal of Deacon Blackfire is that he is a white evangelical. <laughs> yeah. There Pretty you go. Much, Which was popular in the eighties. Yeah. That very popular. <laughs> very and and Jim Baker. You know, yep. while very while he leaves his followers to, you know, live amongst the dirt and eat shit behind the door <laughs> and starve. Li- you know, he, he he's living in luxury, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you see him going to that room that he has. It's like all done up nice. And <laughs> you have like all these guys like living around dead people, literally. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's pretty, pretty funny, man. It's like yeah, a, me, meanwhile, meanwhile oh, he lives in the Trump Plaza. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, as I was reading this book, I was like, man, this relates to today as much as it did in 1988. It's crazy. Yeah, because yeah, if you think that. about once, once, uh, once everyone is told to evacuate Gotham, you know, run to safety, and then you know, there, there's half of the population stays there. Blackfire just wants everybody to to get back to normal already. You know, just everybody to get back to business, just just like what's going on today. Yeah, nothing yeah. to see here. Nothing to see here. <laughs> you know, there is a, a moment of humor. Um, I don't know if you guys picked up on this or noticed it, but I, I had a chuckle when um, they were trying to unload those VCRs and they were like a grand a piece. Yes. It's like, <laughs> yeah. were VCRs a grand a piece? Oh, <laughs> oh, I don't know. It is. Wow. Yeah. A grand a piece for a VCR. Maybe, maybe a CD player was about that. <laughs> I, I don't know. Legit. Legit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, t- times two thousand. You know, it's like two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, it was. It was two hundred k. Yeah, split four ways. <laughs> yeah, man. Man, I've got a grand sitting in my closet right now. <laughs> Talk about capital, <laughs> man. So eventually, they brainwash. Well, actually, they starve out and they drug and eventually brainwash Batman and convert him to be in the cult of Demon Blackfire. Did I say demon? I mean deacon. deacon. Yeah, yeah. You, you've been saying demon. <laughs> I, was, I was, I was just letting it go. I didn't want to be a dick. It sounds better. <laughs> it's, it's my fruity and slip. He, well, he is a demon, right? He, he is. is. He, he does, he does, he does bear some thematic similarities to Ra's al Ghul. So you know, you can be forgiven yeah. for calling him a demon. Okay. Well, whatever. Especially towards the end. Yeah. <laughs> so Batman gets converted. Uh, and where he like sees the light, you know, in that crazy, um, whenever I, I got to that part in the book, I was like, wow. I mean, you know, we talk about, you know, 
Bane being the one that broke Batman physically in a fight. But, I mean, like you guys said, I mean, Blackfire is the one that broke him spiritually and mentally, which, I mean, that's that's unheard of. But to be fair, he On did the drug issue. the shit out of him and starve him. Yeah, so. right. Yes. Right. And and he didn't even uh, take him into you know custody on his own. He he was brought to him by chance. Right. Agreed. So, yeah, he definitely cheated. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've I've read a lot of Batman stories over the years that have, in, have involved like hallucinogens or hallucinating, and this is one of the best stories that's ever shown or portrayed drug addiction. And hallucinate, uh, hallucinating. I mean, the art and the writing were so spot on with it, um, and they had it drawn over such an extended period of time. I thought they, the team, did a really bang up job of of showing like uh, addiction and yeah, um, hallucinating. True. Yeah, it was it was a nightmare. One interesting thing is that they ripped the symbol off his suit, which yeah. right away yeah. in the first. I don't know, 10 pages. This, yeah. Or whenever he's captured, this, the symbol is off, which right. is powerful. Yeah, it's just not on him at all. Yeah. He, he has a symbol for, like, the first like the first picture on, like, the third page, and then after that, it's just gone. Right. Yeah. And then uh, when he hallucinates and is seeing himself as Batman, uh, he has a full suit on. He has the symbol on his chest. But then when he comes back to the reality of his situation, uh, he goes back to not having it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about the... To- the- Part where he sees the totem and he's he's pretty high and he's yeah. like the moment where he believes he becomes. What was he on? Is it acid? <laughs> <laughs> so many questions. Yeah, yeah well, whatever he was on, it had him really messed up, and he went through heavy withdrawals after he came off it. I mean, it was it had to have been a mix. It, it had to have been a mix because that's clearly acid and it's clearly um, like a, a relaxer, like probably heroin or some sort of opiate. It was Flores, more likely to end up on the floor than the roof. Wasn't like the late eighties like a crack <laughs> epidemic? Yeah. 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 Yeah, but this wasn't crack. You don't. No, like, yeah. I'm just. He would have been aggro like, on crack. No, he's hallucinating. program guys, don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> or don't mix them anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but Drink it's, a lot of it's water. not. It's not uh, Batman's only. Um, Bad, uh, bad exchange with drugs. The uh, the Venom story, where he, yeah. after failing to save a, uh, that little girl from drowning because he mm. wasn't strong enough, he gets hooked on Venom, trying right. to get himself stronger, and then has to uh, go cold turkey off it. Right. Yeah, I mean, this is clearly New York City. You can see where the cops are driving, and they come to the square. Gotham Square, yeah. And that's like yeah. where... What is it? Broadway and Seventh Avenue come together right there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that is literally it right there. Yeah. yeah. And and there's a part where uh, he, after he uh, makes his escape, he refers to the park he's in as Gotham Central Park. Yeah. yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, that's right. We were having a conversation about that the other day because in in this book, there's uh, you can see the Flatiron Flatiron Building, which is on uh, um, I forget what street it is in, in the city, but um. Yeah, well, it's, it's got to be right there it? on what well, six, where we had the bomb blow up that one yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like twenty seventh ish, you know. Yeah. I think it's twenty third. How can you 23rd? forget? Twenty six, maybe. <laughs> oh, because I'm in. I'm 
nowhere close to there. Because I'm not a tourist. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, whatever. Uh, yeah, but then there also New Jersey is referenced. In, in, uh, right, he well. mentioned that. So yeah. we, were, we were having that conversation the about like, where Gotham is. Yeah, that's right. That kid made the comment on my uh, page saying yeah. Gotham is everywhere or something like that. Uh, you know, New York, New Jersey, whatever. I mean, I just go back to, like I said, like, you know, I, I guess, like, you know, they in the movies, they use Chicago as, like, a, you know, a reference, or I think they actually filmed well, they, they Batman filmed Begins there, right? Yeah. Yeah, they filmed in Chicago. Yeah, they and filmed, then... Filmed in a lot of cities. Yeah. I, I think they I, were, I, yeah, in, they were in Canada as well, too. In the story. Weren't they I, in Canada I also, at I, one point? I also found yeah. it interesting when they did some... um. They did some like pan out shots of Times Square where it was like completely empty. Yeah. And that kind of reminds me of what's going on today where you watch the news at 11 o'clock yeah. and you see Times Square, literally two people walking across. Yep. Like it's pretty much spot on of what's going Not on. Even, like, Jesus, like I'm talking one o'clock in the afternoon. It's empty. Yeah. And that's yeah. yeah. I remember of. seeing seeing your video and you're like panning yeah. on like Facebook and not one soul is in Times Square right now because yeah. of, you know, self-quarantine. And it's very, very similar in the panels that he's drawing as well. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's like very timely. repeating it. Yeah. Very timely, yeah. Yeah, this, uh, like you said, Colt, like reading this story and relating mm-hmm. it to, like, present-day time, it's such a classic formula that it could really fit into just different interpretations, you know, like. Well, you know, it, yeah. resume, it resonates more now with me than it did back in the day you know like it had a lot of impact then but now it's like holy shit this is exactly what's up right now that's the yeah. same thing for dkr though right like both of these both of the yeah. stories like resonate yeah. more today yeah so yeah these what? cops are driving in uh the square which is like totally empty and it's freaking them out and the reason why there's no one there is uh you know deacon blackfire's gang have come to so much power that they're starting to knock off, you know, Gotham's bad guys, the criminal element themselves. And there's that, uh, there's that scene where the drug dealer gets nabbed by uh, some shadowy figures in the background. I didn't know you could, in 88, I didn't know you could say shithead in a comment. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's the only word in that word balloon. It just says shithead. <laughs> I read that and I was like, oh my god, that's awesome. And you know you're reading you know you're reading an eighties comic when you see the word reefer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's so many words in this when you know you're reading an eighties comic. <laughs> That's true, Dunk. Hey, all right. Here's here's one more observation. Um, okay, the first the cover of the first issue was embossed, and I'm wondering. I feel like it's the first time I ever saw a Batman comic or graphic novel with an embossed cover, and I was really into that back when I saw it. I don't know if that was the first one or if they've done it before, or you know, do you guys? Kill, you know? it, Killing it, Joke it was, was embossed, but I'm not sure it was first. Yeah, uh, okay. yeah, there. The, it was one of the first because this was in the real early times of these prestige format issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, prior to that, everything was you know made on that real cheap paper, the real cheap color print. Uh, Dark Knight Returns did a lot in changing that. You know that they started making these prestige format books using the better printing methods. Right. Right. Yeah. 
It just yeah, was, a, I, it was yeah. a cool gimmick. Yeah. Yeah, I think like growing up yeah. for me, one of the first ones that I really noticed was like the laser cut issue in Nightfall. Like, what was it 500? Where he kind of just laser cuts it, and then you see like yeah. Batman emboss. But yeah, you never really see that. I, I kind of noticed that today, like on the sewer cap. Yeah. It was like really like a little nice little hint, little touch. Yeah. 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 They should do it more. You know. They should. I like those sure. uh, acetate, like, you know, holographic, you know, covers. It's, you know, it reminds me of, like, you know, when I was a kid going to the comic store, like, you'd go after the book, like, with the, like, the nicest-looking cover on it and just buy it just because of the cover, you know? Yeah, if, if it had a, so, if it had yeah. a die-cut shape in it or a hologram <laughs> on the front like, of it, that's how you knew what yeah. book to buy. It's, like, so yeah. cool. Yeah. Got to get it. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> those, like, things... those comics are not worth anything today. <laughs> yeah, I know. You, you can still buy it for a buck twenty-five. you know? It's like, yeah. <laughs> Easily. Yeah, yeah. We're kind of getting to where, you know, Deacon Blackfire is using his, his, uh, his cult to become the authority in Gotham. And, I mean, and they're they're not taking mercy on anybody, right? You know, even yeah. this one little kid that's walking down. And what what is he doing? He's running numbers for, like, gambling? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, the, the, the comic yeah. book artist, yeah. 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 That was pretty cool how they put that in there. So, you know, this young young man, he wants to be a comic book artist, but he's, he's running uh, gambling bets for a bookie. And... Basically gets killed by you know Deacon Blackfire's gang there, and then yeah, the 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 coolest part about this character's very brief inclusion is where it, uh, it it's explaining his aspirations for life and that he wants to be a famous comic book artist. It actually says just like Jack Kirby. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Man, they should just put Bill Finger in there, or you know. Bob cool, King, but, uh, <laughs> cool little nod, man. That's a cool nod. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, then there's so much red. Like they say, you know how violent it is. Like there's so much red after that, and it's like holy crap, poor kid, and you feel bad for him. Yeah, I mean, as you can see in that panel, it's like that red. It just it just gives you a glimpse of that one moment where you feel the emotion of the kid, and then all of a sudden it's over. And all his blood is just splattered on his artwork, and that's his passion. Yeah, well, look at the look at the yeah. page before when he's walking down the street. It's blue, green, whatever. Yeah, he he page. he has high hopes. Like he knows that yeah. he's just kind of tweaking things, and he's breaking the rules, and that's what he has to do to survive. But it changes drastically. And then it's in the just next red. Page. Yeah. Right. That's it. I think and like he's right done. before he's, he's just like memory. Right before he dies. He says something yeah. like, you know, maybe I'll make enough money to get uh, get out of here one day or something like that. Yeah. Right. The next thing you know, he dies. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he, he's just another statistics yeah. at this point, you know? Yeah. Well, same thing with the guy, the uh, the guy that uh, Ratface wants to kill because he is dating yeah. a white woman. Oh, yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's really fucking brutal. <laughs> he tries to Jesus. get Batman in on that. That's uh, fucking yeah. <laughs> I didn't yeah, like, that... you know, I, I felt yeah. pretty funny was, like, that whole thing with, like, the guy Jake, like basically bitching around Batman, he was like telling him when to eat when he couldn't eat and stuff like that. It was kind of weird, you know. Yeah, that rescue-looking motherfucker. Yeah, who the fuck was that guy? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> telling Batman what to do. I mean, I was like, I was like, all right, this this is getting a little ridiculous now. But uh, I'd rather him take orders from Deacon Blackfire, not the underboss of Deacon Blackfire. <laughs> so you know, acid. Yeah. After that scene, we see where Deacon Blackfire is talking with uh, his his number one lieutenant, Jake, and 
you know, you see <laughs> Jake, Jake, Jake from State Farm. Jake definitely does not get out much. You know, it's like, <laughs> no, no, he don't. He definitely doesn't. <laughs> so, and you can see the true intentions of Deacon Blackfire. He says, I convert them. You control them. That's the mm-hmm. deal. And, you know, you see that he he's not really hoping to cleanse Gotham of its corruptness. He just wants control of the city. It's his dream to be the ruler of Gotham, you know. And then after we get that, his oh. other sorry, after his other attempts at uh, you know, corrupt careers fail, you know, he said, Oh, what's what's my uh what's the answer? Oh, religion. You know, yeah. that's what I mean. Yeah. That always works. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love that splash of that view of Gotham City and how the river oh. looks like blood. Yeah. Yeah, it looks, it looks like what's about to come. And, <laughs> and the city itself is black, and as you expand out from the city, everything turns blue. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, again, this is why color is just so important in this book. It really just... The color is almost as important as the narration because it really every page it sets the tone on what yeah. the character is feeling and what what the whole city is feeling at that time you know like it's yeah. really a powerful transition just looking Especially at that as panel you, uh, as you open to issue two first page of issue two is a uh, hallucination right dude this was some sick shit right here word <laughs> i mean <laughs> You see Batman with an Uzi just blowing this guy away. And what happened? Okay, Batman really killed somebody with a gun right there. No, wasn't it? Yeah, I think he really did, doesn't he? Yeah, he's he's part of this. uh, I believe this is the first story where Batman was uh, literally shown to kill someone. Because, yeah, as he comes out yeah. of the nation, he realizes that he's in the middle of this raid on uh, on a mob house and that he's had a hand in butchering this house full of, you know, mob guys, but yeah. still, you know, still murdered people. Or was, did he murder them? Dead bodies. I don't, yeah, think, the, I don't think he killed anybody. He doesn't give in to the fear. We were talking about the fear earlier. He did, he he, he did though, but he, he sees in his mind himself shooting someone with a machine gun. Yeah. And drop says this and feels then when so it, good. It feels terrific. When it, yeah. And when it comes back to his reality, he's standing over a machine gun body with the machine gun he just dropped laying beside it. And everyone yeah. else is still in the process yeah. of polishing off their guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His hallucination is he's two faced I mean, and then it's like it's not two faced and he's like Commissioner Gordon. I I, I mean, you see the actual I person. I argue with the art, but uh, I guess you can interpret that yeah. either way. Very true. Which, which is cool. It's like the same thing um, that me and you were talking about, uh, Grumps, that time, like, you know, the uh, the KGB story. It's like, you know, oh, yeah. did, did yeah. Batman actually kill him or didn't he kill him? It's like kind of like up to you type of deal. Yeah. Uh, until thing? later oh, with good. KGB. Uh, <laughs> until later when, when you do find out that uh, he, he didn't die. Yeah. Yeah. So. But that was, uh, that could, it could also be argued that that was a retcon. Oh, good. Either way, it's a good and story. It, and again, you've got the red and the splattered yellow, and man, this is like a scene out of an Alfred Hitchcock horror movie. Yeah, it's awesome. 
Hey, Grumps, you touched on something earlier that um about the limited... I didn't touch anybody or anything. <laughs> 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 be You've been touching it. It wasn't me. <laughs> um, yeah, so listen, the, uh, the colors are limited, and um, it's really, like, if you look at it, it's really primary colors. There's blue, red, yeah, and right. yellow. And if you squint, kind of when you see the pages, pages rather, that's really all that... Uh, that Bill Ray used was was primaries, um, yeah, yeah. varied uses of them, but just those three colors all through four books, and he did it really well. You know, when you guys look at this, does it make you miss uh, this tile, this type of coloring versus you know the digital coloring today? No, no, it doesn't. Because yeah, mm. you can always I, go back I and look. Actually, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I like what yeah. doing with artwork in comics now. I like the I like the. Uh, palettes i like the computer uh, manipulation of the images I, I i really dig all that yeah and and some guys do Actually, uh, so much, like just magic with the abilities that they have now digitally yeah makes me wonder what these pages look like just pencil and ink hmm. Hmm. that would be interesting so batman comes uh, out of his hallucination and like robin said realizes he's part of a uh hit job on a mafia boss and as they're leaving he notices you know a, a plate of food on the table and he wants to eat so bad but uh jake intervenes because you know they're trying to keep batman weak and and suppressed and and, and under their control and damn the man Jake pretty much treats Batman like a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even like punches him. Yeah. You, you can tell, but just based on his name being Jake, you can kind of tell he's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, the inner monologue, uh, Batman says, it'd be fun knocking out a few of Jake's teeth, but I don't do it. The Deacon's words have touched me. Or have reached me. I've been converted. I've seen the truth. And he just kind of sits there like, you know. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm I'm eat this. this is like, you know, a Batman that, uh, you know, you, you don't see Gave up. hardly ever. Yeah, he's given up. I, I also like how, like, you don't see it too much, but the illumination in his eyes, um, it's a little animated, but you can kind of tell how paranoid he is. Um, yeah. by his expressions like you don't really see that as often yeah even though this really has like a kelly jones kind of vibe but you can really see the fear in his face um every now and then you know it kind of tells you that yeah, he's he really his emotions lost. yeah he's really lost it you know right and and you can't tell if he's in that well he's most likely in that psychedelic stage where he just is completely out of control for that one second and i i re actually really like that you know it's just something that you don't see every, all the time. To be able to draw expressive, like, you know, his eye holes, the white eyes, to be able to draw those right. with ex expression is, is pretty, uh, not, easy, not an easy thing to do, so. And it's something you see done a lot more often with characters like Spider-Man, Deadpool, but uh, yeah, it's right. not something that uh, that is done too often with Batman outside of like, the animated series. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Especially yeah. when uh, Robin's getting beaten up by the, um, let's see, it's uh, book three, when Robin is being overcome by all those um, 
the uh, you know the underdweller guys, and That's he's right. asking Batman right. to help him, yeah. and Batman's kind of just standing there, like looking really distraught. The next page with the hallucination and and all that, I think it's the most color that you see in the book. The snakes and the uh, rat face comes into play here. <laughs> rat, yeah, rat it starts, getting, <laughs> it starts getting really trippy, and you start seeing these yeah. quick transitions of like his face kind of morphing into some other. Yeah. It's like his his head is kind of like spirals, which is kind of cool. Oh yeah, right, right, ever. yeah. Yeah, he's just he's, hanging out in the sewer. The, these days, you wouldn't be able to call him Ratface. It's not his fault uh, his face looks like that. Right, right. He's an evil prick. It doesn't matter. It's offensive. <laughs> he's beautiful. So, yeah. Yeah. So, Ratface takes him above ground to do a hit on a, a pimp, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, that it was unauthorized right for dating a white woman yeah yeah and this is i mean it's it's funny like this is a lot of the stuff i mean it's 1988 when this or 87 whenever this book is being written but it's it's uh uh you know uh this new york city was this way back then you know unfortunately it's uh you know obviously remnants of racism and and uh times square was full of drugs pimps and uh Mm -hmm. really uh not a not not what it is today definitely not it almost makes you uncomfortable when you read racism in books today because you're like man damn they really wrote that in there but yeah i mean we're more aware of it now we're more aware of it now but and i think that they were too when they did it but you know that's one thing about batman stories is that it it's more grounded in reality you know i mean I like that these stories like this, they're really, you know, grounded in a, in real New York and yeah, real yeah, issues definitely. and real politics. You know, it's not so much science fiction stuff, you know, like Justice League or, uh, you know, other other titles. It's real shit that's going on. Yeah. Well, they, they really captured yeah. they captured the, the grit, you know, they captured the grit of the time of, of New York. Um, yeah. I just I'd moved I'd moved to the city in uh, the very beginning of '89, and um, you'll probably have to edit this out from the from the podcast. But I'm going to tell you guys a funny story. It was my first maybe month in the city. I was in a taxi. I was in, off of Times Square somewhere in Hell's Kitchen, and um, it was bitter cold winter day. So it was like no, it was like yeah, it was it was probably I moved here in March. Yeah, it was a really freezing cold day, and I'm in a taxi and we're at a stoplight and this woman walks over to the taxi with a, a like full length fur coat on and she comes over to the window which was closed and she opens her coat and she was completely naked completely <laughs> nude except for high heels and <laughs> welcome she, to new york yeah and she closed her fur coat and walked away and i was like wow okay i'm in new york now pretty you're like pretty wow crazy. that's sad so she can't even afford clothes <laughs> I gave her a dollar. <laughs> Saving, money. Saving money. Yeah, that, that was like five bucks back then, you know? It's like, yeah. All you have in Texas is Gramps goes up to cars and shows people. And, you know. He does what? <laughs> you know. <laughs> a dollar's a dollar, man. Yeah. <laughs> Those trade paperbacks he waits for aren't cheap. <laughs> 
So Ratface gets arrested by the police, and he 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 starts to you know squeal a little bit, just like a rat would. Start um, singing, yeah. Batman <clears throat> escapes, and he he finds himself in Central Park. And again, here's that four-panel sequence that writes and does, where he pretty much tells the whole story right there. You know, it's a very not you know hard not to horror movies and kind of tales from the crypt. He's just kind of just melting instantly you know it's, it's like, kind of like his again, swamp swamp thing run too he's tripping you know it's like it's yeah. crazy there's blood all over his face it's like he's just out of control but he's trying to kind of find some kind of ground well what's, that, that, what's nuts is um even right before that when like uh he tries to stop rat face uh and then the cops show up and um then rat face is about to like kill the cop and Batman hits him with his right hook and just drops Ratface in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And then the cop's like, and the cop's so excited that he saved him. And the cop catches one too. And it's like, <laughs> this entire time, Batman could have just knocked everyone out. <laughs> but he's like, he's, he's like so caught into this uh, Deacon, um, uh, I guess, you know, the cult. Yeah, yeah. He's just stuck. He's just stuck in this. Uh, Cult or like whatever he thinks is true now. Whereas like he has the power to get out of this, but his mindset is so stuck and he's broken. Yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's his like his training or whatever, right? Like that's like his uh, his default, his program, his own program. He, you know, uh, on occasion you see throughout the book, he he returns to that default whatever when he's got to get out of a situation or save somebody or do something, but. And he, you know, gets overridden by the drugs and the whatever. Yeah, yeah. anytime things are at their worst, then whoever's around is getting the smoke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was to the TV, the, the talking heads on TV. Is this, is this the first time in, the, in, in this book that we see that, or was it in issue one? Uh, I, I think, yeah, there was some of it in issue one, too. Yeah, okay. right from the beginning. Yeah. Which is uh, DKR, like. Yeah. Yeah, you can definitely tell yeah. that. Starlin and writes and read and probably enjoyed DKR with the way they do that. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like this could be like a prequel to DKR. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I wouldn't fight sure. that. Yeah. I mean, a, a you know, a prequel several years in the you know ahead of DKR, obviously, mm-hmm. but you know, shows his you know strong connection to Jason, especially after what happens you know later on. Um, and the talking heads and just the whole theme and the vibe of it. I don't know. Yeah, because also, like, Bruce, there's a, you know, jumping ahead a little bit, Bruce says, you know, no one's ever broken me like this. I've been doing this for 10 years. I've been unstoppable. So in my head, I'm trying to do some math. I'm like, Bruce is probably, like, 28 years old at this point mm-hmm. because he said he's been doing it for about a decade, give or take, you know? Mm, so he's probably in his mid to late 30s, maybe, if he... He, uh, who knows? He uh, left yeah, it off. Yeah. yeah, it could be, you know, 28, 32, like, yeah. definitely, you know, way before DKR, so his first 10 years. Yeah, if you read this first and then read DKR, it probably would flow, like, great. Yeah. Especially now that uh, Frank Miller did, uh, during DK3, gave his the, the Dark Knight universe version of... Uh, death in the family. 
The Last Crusade, yeah. Yeah. So, Batman scares a couple out on a picnic. <laughs> and what's funny, I mean, he's out in the middle of the day, you know? Creep. Like a, like a yeah, raccoon creep. rabies. <laughs> yeah, like the walking dead. <laughs> I mean, he's like, run away! And then he eats her hot dogs. <laughs> That's hilarious. So good. I mean, so there is some comedy element in this whole story. Skipping ahead a little bit, Jason Todd is starting to figure out, you know, hey, Batman's been missing. He's starting to put the clues together, and he sneaks down into the sewers and disguises himself as one of the underworld, trying to see what's going on. And Batman gets some hot dogs and transforms into a knight again. I thought that was a cool sequence. Yeah. That's what food does to you. <laughs> so that's what, yeah. Yeah, I mean, th- you know, th- this is kind of the turning point where he's kind of gradually just, even though his, you can see his emblem is ripped off, but he's starting to kind of see that there's a chance that he can kind of rebalance himself Bounce and he's back. starting to gain, gain yeah. confidence again that he could really have a chance to be Batman again. I just think it's yeah. funny how he—it's almost like he sees himself as a knight, you know. Yeah. Or some kind of like angel. Yeah, he has to kind of like create this kind of projection of who he needs to be, just like Deacon, the Deacon is doing that to himself. You know, it's like he has mentally he has to kind of like exactly he has to boost himself forward to kind of just. Move, move along. So Batman sneaks down back into the sewer. Deacon Blackfire is given, you know, a, a pep rally to the Underworlders, getting them all riled up. And as seen previously, Batman noticed that, you know, they keep this door locked for Deacon Blackfire. And now that he's had some magical hot dogs and <laughs> regained some his mojo, <laughs> he he breaks in and he sees that, you know, Deacon Blackfire is nothing but a con man, you know. He's living the life of luxury. Although, I'm sitting here reading that and going, who has time to bring all that down under the sewer? <laughs> Chandeliers and... When you when when you have the people for it, listen, and they believe you, anything is possible. Yeah, I, I bet those guys banged out that, uh, that room for him in an afternoon, and then he got them so drugged up they don't even remember it's there. <laughs> <laughs> Acid. <laughs> Flores. Maybe maybe it was also <laughs> underneath his little clinic that he had set up. Who knows? Yeah, then Batman yeah. gets captured again. Fucking guy. <laughs> yeah, they, they slapped him with some kind of weird little sack. It looks like a chicken leg. Or... <laughs> <laughs> Isn't, you want food? That, I'll uh, give you some food. Wop. Isn't that uh? Is that called a blackjack or something? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's a blackjack. But you don't see that in the comics anymore. Oh, yeah. up in the seventies, back. Yeah, he, he 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 got slapped with like a bag of coins. You know, it's like crack. <laughs> Jim Gordon's trying to convince the mayor that you know there's a problem, and he he suspects that you know it's it's some kind of. Uh, corruption going on that that uh, needs to be looked into because you know during this whole time some of the talking heads are talking to people on the streets and they're just like yeah we like what's going on there's less crime and stuff like that and 
and they support, you know, Deacon Blackfire and all this stuff. But, you know, the Mr. Mayor is like, you know, kind of like today, leadership looking past a lot of the issues, uh, not focusing on, you know, the welfare of, of the people and just kind of looking at more of their own agendas. And then kaboom. Hmm. He got what he fucking deserved. They all start getting what they deserve. Yeah, they all start getting what they deserve. Oh, Uh, Arthur Fleck was right. (laughs) Get what you fucking deserve. (laughs) This is the 80s when they were doing political assassinations. Not anymore. Yeah, Yeah, well, hard to do that now when um, big uh, corporate conglomerates own the parent companies (laughs) of the parent companies that own the comic publishers. Yeah. Batman's being taken away by some of the goons, tries to escape and get his hands tied behind his back, and he gets thrown into the, the nasty waters of the sewer. Robin jumps in to save him, because Robin's been down there pretty much, you know, for a, for a minute under disguise. This is where he gets really, really sick. Robin comes up out of the water in that one page where it's all just the dark panels, and he can hear Batman, but he can't see him. And Batman is saying, like, this is my punishment. You see, I've been bad. I doubted. That was wrong. Batman's fallen back under the spell of the drugs. And Robin's like, what? What's this smell? What's this smell? And Batman says, it's the damned. And then he turns on his flashlight, and all you see is, like, all these rotten corpse and that image of Batman just, like, kneeling over some rotten dead people. And Batman throws in a line that he also said in DKR. He says, "Welcome to hell." Yeah, that, that splash page. That yeah, that's yeah, freaking that beautiful. Splash page. Yeah, welcome to hell. Welcome to yeah. hell. Welcome to hell. Holy yeah. crap! Yeah, that whole a couple of pages leading up was just brutal. I want. I'd love to see the script and see if like Jim Starlin just said, "Make this as scary as you can." <laughs> I mean, those the those images of like the dead corpses. <clears throat> Dude. And and Jason's like questioning it too while he's walking through the dark. He's like, What what is that I'm walking in? Yeah. And you know before it before poop. it's even revealed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The smell has to be atrocious. That last picture where Batman's like kneeling down, dude. Oh my god. How disgusting is that? Hey, can people buy the trade? I mean, Grumps, what year did you buy the trade for this? I have the original version of the trade. So, uh, uh, okay. I have yeah, no it, idea. It, it did get a pretty recent re-release. Oh, it did? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. So it can it can be found. Uh, yeah, it shouldn't be or... difficult to find. And it's it's also, it's not difficult to find the single issues in shops either. We usually have a set uh, a set or two of the issues around at the shop. Okay. Okay, cool. That, that brings me to uh, my public service announcement. You know, right now, <laughs> books are... Books aren't being sent out to publishers, but you can still buy back issues from your your local comic shops. Or, you know, there's this thing called the Interwebs or SpyNet or SkyWeb or something like that. I don't know. You just look at this TV thing and punch some numbers, and they deliver it to your door. And you can still buy issues like The Cult 1 through 4 from a local comic shop. And Absolutely. Here's... Here's the wonderful thing. The buying these back issues really helps local comic shops. I mean, Robin, you can attest to this. Um, you know, there's no better way to support a local comic shop than buy, buying back issues. Completely agree. 
Yeah, and and even yeah, if uh, even even if your shop is not open for you know for for you to walk in and do your shopping like like normal, a lot of places are offering curbside pickup, mail out. Uh, some of my shop is even doing uh, home delivery. So there there's still options, awesome. and yeah, so you can still get new comics in your possession. You can you know new stuff's coming out, but you can still get your hands on on old stuff you haven't read before, like this or anything else. And at the same time, you're you're helping your shop uh, pay the bills while while everything is bad. So Robin, let me ask you, how does how does that work for your shop? I mean, you have one employee that like you amass a uh, number of orders, and then a, a certain day week, the the person drives around and drops them all off or uh yeah right now it's uh a couple of days a week okay. uh, that uh so for about four hours a day we have curbside pickup available you know you have to make an appointment uh and and everything will be ready uh and uh then the before and after those hours typically after i think is uh when home deliveries are done Gotcha. And so there's a lot of stuff like, you know, you don't have to worry. You don't have to have any physical contact with someone. It's just like what a lot of people are doing to order food right now. You you place your order either on the phone or online. You pay either with a credit card or PayPal, bank transfer, what have you. And then they, they'll bring it to your house, leave it in your mailbox, whatever, and then you go grab it after they walk away. And, you know, right. you don't have to worry about having physical contact with anyone or getting too close to anyone. Right. You know, I tried to do that at one of my shops in Brooklyn a couple weeks ago and um, called them. They had the books I wanted, and this is probably the last week they were open. Um, and I was like, you know, let me give you my credit card number. He's like, oh, we don't take cards over the phone. And these people know me, and I was like, you don't take my, you can't take my card number over the phone? I mean, it just seems so, um, you know, unproductive <laughs> for a yeah. business transaction. Yeah, so, well, so, some people just have trouble... Uh... Changing with the times, you know. Yeah, yeah. Apparently. Yeah. Because yeah, fraud. I, I, it's all fraud. Well, people do fraud. It's it's. I found it really cool. Like last week, that my comic shop delivered home delivery. Like, it felt like a drug deal, but I felt <laughs> so. <laughs> like I felt incredible that I could just help my local comic shop, and I just I placed a fifty dollar order on purpose. I was just like, hey, give me two sets of White Knight. Like I just wanted to help them so much, and it's it's something personal. Like it's kind of cool that we can kind of do something like that for them, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what, what kind yeah, of world we are we do. living in? Where you, where you name drop that you're called to the Batman and you can't get what you want? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what has this no, that's, not a, that's not a world I want to live in. <laughs> no. The world has gone mad. Yeah. And and the not my world. The fact that Dunk throws out the word fraud right after I say that kind of question. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, it's, it's crazy because, like, so many people live on the edge. Like, they're just scared that, you know, if there is a fraud charge, they lose the money and they lose the merchandise. Yeah. Which yeah. is tough. And, uh, yeah. my, my shop mentioned that a couple of times, but they, you know, they're taking people's credit cards over the phone and they're but doing they are, curbside right? pickup. And, yeah. 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 And um, there's there's moments where, um, like, I don't know, I've helped them out where I take orders for people and ship them myself because they don't do shipping because they don't want to worry about shipping and all that stuff. And mm -hmm. I'm willing to get comic books to people just to help them out. Like, you know, yeah, man, you, you, you got to do what you got to uh, do. 
you helped out Boston Bat a couple weeks ago with a with a nice stack of books. Yeah, um, got him his uh, his weekly books for that yeah. week because his yeah. shop closed a week early. Good looks. PayPal comes in. We're a community, and we got to help each other out. Yeah. Yep. My shop is taking all PayPal right now. It's like if you call them on the phone, they're just like, you know, give me your PayPal and PayPal me. So, honestly, I mean, I don't know if my shop is actually really getting the money or not. I mean, I'm PayPaling, like, I guess the owner of the shop. And Hmm. he's like, yeah, man. He's like, we're just going to ship your books. He's like, unless we'll have someone just drop them off to you. I'm like, listen, I'm home. So, I mean, I ain't going nowhere. So, if you want to have someone drop them off, you can do that. That's fine. You know? Right. But, yeah, everything, even, like, just, like, besides, like, buying comics, it's like, you know, I've seen, I, I, one of my friends that I actually, I used to work with in my old apartment, like, I remember he had no cash on him one time, and we were at a bar, we were just, like, drinking, and he was like, listen, he's like, I don't have my, uh, you know, he's like, I, don't, I, I left all my, my stuff at home, and the, the girl was like, yeah, she's like, uh, do you have PayPal? And he was like, yeah, she's like, just PayPal me the money. So it's like, PayPal comes in handy for so much shit you don't yeah. even think about, you know? Right, yeah. It's right. pretty crazy, you know? But then again, you don't know if the, if, if the you know, the place of business is actually getting the money or the owner's getting the money, who's getting the money, but at least you're paying, you know? Mm-hmm. You're not walking out in handcuffs, that's for sure, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so book three opens up with uh, the deputy mayor getting jumped after speaking out against Deacon Blackfire. Um, you know, the deputy mayor... Uh, supports the local police and, and, you know, their investigation into what's going on and gets dragged down into the sewers. What happens next? This is, yeah, this is what I was referencing earlier on. Uh, he gets pulled down into the sewer and then his uh, decapitated head comes flying. His capital was detained. It took me a while when I first saw that. What, what just, oh my God, that's his head. <laughs> Bouncing like a basketball. <laughs> <laughs> like a skipping stone yeah. yeah and that's when uh robin slaps batman in the face right after that dude yeah. i love that panel man <laughs> <laughs> settle down i posted i posted it on my yeah, story earlier today did. and i was like you that's did. payback for slapping dick yeah <laughs> we got to make the meme out of that we do man yeah it should be yeah well have you seen There's the one the, some someone took that the old meme the batman slapping dick and uh Batman now has a six-foot pole. Yeah, with a glove on it. <laughs> with a glove on the end, yeah, and you yeah, slap him. Yeah. <laughs> I love the next panel. Whoever came up with that, man, is amazing. Yeah, I love the next panel where, you know, he, he's already slapped him, but then he's, like, holding his hand like, oh, my God. No, that hurt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what, a strong, what a strong jaw. Jeez. Yeah. Batman doesn't yeah. skip face day. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, the, and plus these guys don't even miss leg day too. It's like holy cow, every shot these guys are just yo overly insanely. Yeah, wrong. later on we see how strong like later on we see how strong like Jason Todd's legs are. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah, but when he does that kick, I'm actually looking at that yeah. panel right now. Yeah, it's like holy shit. That's that's the '80s for you, and it's like over the top. Yeah, I think actually reading this story actually made me appreciate Jason Todd much more. I'm like kind of come to think about it right now. Of all the stories I read with Jason Todd, how much I hated him. I don't. For some reason now, I'm like liking him more. <laughs> yeah, this story was very atypical of his character. I mean, it was it was it just wasn't very Jason-esque. Like he was no, very not at all in the story. 
He wasn't a dick. Yeah, yeah he and wasn't it, a dick, it, for one. It, it was like he stepped up because he had to, you know? Yes, like he, he, exactly. he knew that he was needed. Like, yeah. okay, Batman's fucked. I got to yeah. take care of it. Yep, it was, it was dire. Yeah, yeah, was dire. Sure. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was definitely his call to arms moment, you know? It's yeah. Like, yeah. You got to step it up, and he did it. Right. No bullshit. Yeah. Well, it's like when, like, if you look at Batman all drugged up and, you know, he's scared, it's like, holy crap, what the hell's going on? Like, I have, I have to figure something out because he's not going to help us right now. Right, right. I'm not going right. to survive if he's all scared. And, yeah. he, he, you know, he did the right thing through this, especially issue three. Issue three is where it's at. Yeah, totally. What's crazy is that he slapped Batman, Jason slapped Batman and kind of, you know, woke him up a little bit and then. Batman actually admits the deacon broke me, Robin. Yeah. He he like admits it to him, and then he's just like he's mad about it. And then then they're planning their escape. But even you can still see that Batman has doubts about himself. You know. That's uh, a great and, page, Grabs. And uh, th- those doubts linger throughout the rest of the story. Like even when it's coming up to the final battle, you know, when he makes his big return to the city, he he still isn't sure that he can do this. I love this part where Jason says there's folks that think he's some kind of hero, a messiah. He's got the entire city polarized, split into pro and anti-deacon camps. <laughs> Batman just walks away unbelievable. That's what Grumps would say if he was in the bat suit. The next panel is like very, what I wanted to say before too is like these news panels are very reminiscent of DKR as well. It's almost like you're you're flipping back to the DKR pages. Yeah, yeah, all the talking um, head stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and kind of uh, like Mrs. Swan. One cool thing we we <laughs> skipped by uh, Joan Rivers. You know, it's like <laughs> I don't know if we skipped by this page or not, or if it's still coming up. But there's a, there's a page where two cops are in a car and they're commenting on how empty the city is because all the homeless are have mm. disappeared and all the the criminals have been been are, are being murdered. And uh, one of the cops is named Klaus. Right. Yeah, that's right. 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 Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I noticed that. That was cool. And he says, like, let's get out of here. Yeah, yeah, that's back when they were in the square. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Klaus, yeah. Nice. Awesome nods throughout this whole book. Yeah, for sure. Heavy influence. So, Batman and Robin, they're trying to get out of there. Deacon Blackfire and Jake are having a toast, talking about their plans, and, uh, you know, he's. Just you know. Well, before stroke. that, you get the you get the origin of Deacon Blackfire, basically. Yeah, talking about yeah. Gordon Talk. and uh, the, the, I don't know what what the guy's name is. Oh yeah, they looked up you know all these showed that you know he had been around for you know years, decades. centuries, you know, yeah. decades. Because he's been around what since the 30s they said right or something like that. Uh, 1921. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's pretty crazy. Arrest. That's part yeah. It's criminal background. Reminds me of, you know, somebody said earlier, Ra's al Ghul or, or yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Vandal Savage. Right. Uh, that type of guy. But uh, one of the officers in this story uh, suggests that, you know, he thinks that those early records must have been this guy's father or something. Yeah. And yeah, it, does yeah. Play, it does play into yeah. the possibility, you know, the 
obvious possibility that this whole story that he's given to his followers is a fabrication, you know, given, given that there's so much religious imagery in it, you know, all those, all those, you know, the bullet points, you know, that, that he checked off to, to convince them of, of uh, his stature, uh, that could all be just in you know, this tale that he spun to, to win them over with all of this religious talk. Yeah. And using, uh, you know, conveniently being able to use his father's criminal record could play into that. And then Batman and Robin, they're, you know, they're trying to find their way out in the sewers. And then they come up on a big revelation where now that Batman's not under the drugs, they find Blackfire's totem, which is like this, you know, I don't know, short little totem it's not like the big thing with eyes and moving head and talking to him and stuff it's more just you know just a stump cocaine's out of a drug yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i mean he he knows that he was a con man before but this was even showing how far out you know he was under the effect of whatever he was given and uh you know, he says, all a trick. Then we get an assassination attempt on Gordon. He takes yeah. a direct hit, and the guy's yeah. just standing over him with a video camera. Yeah, that that's, you know, <laughs> disturbingly that's... Uh, accurate, though, you know? <laughs> yeah, if, if it happened what... today, it would be everyone standing around pointing their phones at him. Yeah. You, you start seeing things in the pages like this that you're like, I saw that in Dark Knight, the movie. Yeah, yep, yeah. yeah. And when Joker, whatever, was dressed as a cop and assassinated Gordon. You know, the, where Batman was down in the uh, the sewers, you know, beaten and broken. That's a lot like Dark Knight Rises, where, you know, he was down in that hole. Christopher Nolan took a lot from, you know, and that was cool to see, is, you know, see him take a lot from the actual the books and yeah. put them on film like that. Then we get to see, uh, you know... Blackfire bathing in blood. That's they... insane. This is fucking nuts. Yeah. That's, when they... that's, this, this is Anthony's uh, favorite part for sure. <laughs> Dude, that's exactly he's what Jack. I'm doing right now. Yeah, yeah and, shirt off and everything. And and he's not just. It doesn't just have him, you know, in a tub of blood or something. He's actually got the hacked open bodies hanging there, bleeding into this little yeah, thing. Getting drained. Right. Insane. He's jacked for sure. Man, yeah, he was like, crazy. Uh, he's getting high like, off the blood. This man. is this is 1988, and people are fucking going nuts about a dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like there's hanging yeah. bodies, there's hanging dead bodies with slit throats, Damn and they're drain. blood draining on this one thing, and you, you're like, and people went crazy about a dick. Over are a you penis, kidding me? Yeah, just wake, fucking penis. Jesus Christ, yeah. guys, wake up. Yeah, but. Also, it's like this is very reminiscent of like what Robin was saying. Like, there's a, a strong correlation with like Raja Ghoul. Like, this is yeah. his Lazarus eternal Earth, pit. Yeah. This is his, yeah. this is Lazarus pit. This is where yeah. he kind of rejuvenates yeah. and kind of like recalibrates of you know his strength. You know, so kind of just feeding off of his victims and just that endless amount of blood just coming in like it's it this really makes him like very supernatural when when you see who he is you know and the way the, the religious way is the internal life blood um and right. i guess in the in christian and catholic 
beliefs is like when you take Jesus' blood, it, it symbolizes eternal life. So yeah. as he mentions it, that's what he's going through. Yeah, this is his communion. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Over yeah. and over and over. True. And Batman and Robin, you know, wine, they're what? Yeah, Batman and Robin have they've snuck around and they're seeing this. And this kind of reminds me of like that Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom where they're watching, you know, the ceremony over the top and then leave it to Robin to find the one empty can in the whole tunnel and step on it. <laughs> and give them away and then we got a chase going on and then we have, you know, a TV news anchor going on talking basically directly to Deacon Blackfire about, you know, how he's doing, you know, these terrible things and he's wrestling control away from actual government and, you know, he's a criminal and the police and National Guard are going to be coming in. And Deacon Blackfire has people in every corner of the city and they shoot him on live TV. I mean, look at that page right there. Yeah, Not dude. Yeah, you don't see things like this in comics today. Yeah. Well, there's there's a good uh, just before this TV thing starts, Batman and Robin escaping the the, the tunnels, and he's Batman essentially quits. Yeah, he's, he knows I'm in no shape for this. It's up for Robin to get us out of here. Not Robin Cross. Uh, <laughs> I'm all used up. There's no fight. I mean, I'm useless. But, um. Like, you know, just before that, that murder scene happens in the thing, it's like, wow, Batman just quit. Like, this guy is, like, he's toast at this point. And then they go through that, sorry, you know, the whole murder scene. Yeah. On national, national TV, which is fucking, you know, not Murray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Murray, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I mean, that scene right there, that, that panel, I'm like, my God. He literally blew blood and brains against this this panel. The camera, and then they, yeah. They, yeah, they're on the table. So now Batman and 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 the underworld big fight scene, and Robin's having to you know step up, and I think he enjoys it, but for a while. That's my favorite just, panel. Yeah, Batman's just not even doing anything. Yeah, Robin says that's the last of the smoke and whatever and what now, and the Batman says don't know. And Robin's like, oh, it's time to get radical. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, on, the, on the next all page. Right. You know, like, sorry, uh, clouds. Yeah, he's, they're fighting and all this shit. I'm sorry to interrupt, man. Anyway, uh, Robin says, don't just stand there, run. Like, he's having to fucking quarterback this whole thing uh, along. And th- this, this sequence has so many nut shots. <laughs> <laughs> Robin hoofs this guy awesome. right, right in the groin there, and then a couple pages later, Batman does the same. He's like, hey, that worked. <laughs> Just pulls the same move. How do you keep him down without killing them? Nut shots. <laughs> Batman learned that Yo, from Wild Cat. why Bat. not? <laughs> why not? Yeah, man. Yeah. And... Robin's starting to, uh, you know, get overtaken, and just like in the beginning of the book, whenever you know, scared little boy Bruce turned into the the angry Batman. Here we have that four panel transition again, and 
the color changes from yellow to red, and then he just goes off. Yep. And Robin's like, all right. <laughs> it's like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. He's like, where you been? And, and he did say <laughs> radical on the other page. So. Yeah. I love the uh, where Batman is uh, after – Kicking that guy in the junk, the you know the drugs are still having their effect on him, and the how that's uh, illustrated is those pink bubbles are floating around his head like a cartoon. <laughs> yes, he's like it wasn't me, it was the drugs. And then Batman just lays them all out, and we get that panel, that splash where he's just like he's almost like he's like a vampire right there, and Robin is like, whoa, yeah, I love that. <laughs> that's a beautiful fucking... shot. He gets savage, like uh, yeah, it uh, you really know, is. And he's, you know, those of us that are the parents or whatever, you know, your your child is threatened or whatever, you just, you know what I mean? Yeah. You just the, the the parent whatever will get savage, this, and then this, you see him, he returns to whatever, you know, himself with the people. Survival instincts kicked in. Yeah, yeah. Well, the and his protector, protection the protector, his cub or his robber, yeah. I know it's Bernie Wrightson, but it almost like makes me think this is a Kelly Jones panel right here. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. Red Rain. Those yeah. yeah. I, th- I think that's also another part of Batman that you see in the beginning. Like when he starts eating food, there's a correlation of um, there's a sense of him being very primitive in order for him to like aid him to survive. You know, like you see that part where that caveman slaps the saber tooth on the head. Just like he, Batman's doing the same to get food. It's like he still has that primitive instinct to kind of help him survive, even though he's yeah. drugged. Like this is what helps him subconsciously. What he knows is like what helps him kind of move forward without yeah, him even the, thinking, you know, it's that it's natural like in, instinct. Yeah, it's like in uh, Grant Morrison's run where the Zuran R uh, Batman is – that personality that Bruce had programmed into his mind in the event that he ever gets yes, uh, brainwashed or anything like that, that, you know, he'll revert to just this savage personality inside that will get him out of whatever he's in. Yeah, it's like his insurance. Yeah. yeah. Sure. So the next part, you've got the, uh, is it the National Guard that's coming in to Gotham, yeah. you know, setting up martial law, Blackfire's Underworld has set up, you know, basically guerrilla warfare traps all over the city and, and take out the National Guard. Yeah, and, does not go well. Yeah, it does not go well. And basically, now they're in control, no doubt. Deacon Blackfire, he, he's still in his bloodbath celebrating. And you can see it. There's another image of the Gotham Times Square. And now the underworld, are, you know, they're celebrating because they've won. Batman and Robin, they've, they've escaped. They've gone out. They're now trying to find, uh, set up a, a rescue, and they walk into a bar. We get another nut shot from Robin. <laughs> <laughs> Batman takes out a couple of dudes, and then they see on the news that basically Gotham is under martial law, and National Guard have pulled out, and things are not looking so good. I like how they call Alfred, and he just somehow finds a way to drive in the town. And, and my my favorite part is that he's not going to pick up Bruce and Jason. He's going to pick up Batman and Robin, and he rolls up in a limo to to just to just drive them back to the house with a gun in his hand. 
Uh, Alfred's always prepared. Alfred, fucking guy. Alfred. And then he's just like, "Where to, sir? Yeah. Where do you think? Seven <laughs> Eleven? Batman's like, I'm on acid, bro. Help me out. <laughs> that was like yeah. my Uber ride home at my last uh, birthday party. You guys remember that? I was kicking balls and had to just leave. <laughs> No comment. Picked you up. There. Alfred picked you up in a limo with a gun. Well, the Uber driver and uh, yeah, Uber driver and I. He took me some really weird roundabout way home, and I was sure he was going to kill me. And yeah, it was a whole thing. Yeah, that sounds like fun. No, hmm. not at all. <laughs> I survived it. What's startling so, here is as you know, Batman in the car says the city belongs to Deacon Blackfire. There's nothing we can do to help. It's all over. We've lost. And Alfred's like. And Alfred and Robin are like, huh? Wow. So he, he really is dire straits, you know? Yeah. You know, the thing is about book three is that, that it's such a strong ending. I mean, it's really, you do feel that all is, is totally lost at this point. Um, so when we begin book four, I have to say it's the only area of the entire story that I was let down by um, was the fact that maybe a week had passed and they completely gloss over the fact that he had said that the game over, it's game over. And we start book four with him getting ready to jump into battle again. And I felt it was like kind of um, lazy writing or a cop out with the plot. But that's just my opinion. It's like they got to wrap well, this he, up quick. He does get that, um, that final hallucination with his parents uh, telling them how disappointed they are that you know they they trusted him to take care of the city and that right. he's leaving the people to die and all that. And but yeah, it's a it's a pretty quick uh, turn from that to yeah. okay, I'm on my way back. Yeah, yeah, a little little too quick, but I guess they had to uh, you know ed- editing and whatnot uh, make the story tighter. It's almost like a horror Batman version of a Christmas Carol. <laughs> You know, he sees the ghost of Gotham past, and yeah. he's like, "I'm gonna, I'm going back. I'm gonna yeah. save you. I'll be good. I'll be good now." Yeah, that's uh, true. Good analogy. But uh, the the return to the city to take it uh, to take the city back does give us the first appearance of the Batmobile monster truck. Right. That thing's a beauty. Well, we also see Batman and Robin, Bruce Wayne and Jason Todd practicing archery. Not archery. Is it? What is it? Archery is with bows and arrows, right? Yeah. yeah. Practicing, yeah. basically shooting. And, uh, with tranquilizers. You're like, you're like, huh, wow, they're, they're getting serious now. Yeah, with those darts. Okay, and this is one thing I, I wanted to really talk about. And they see... In broad daylight, a bat flying over, and Jason says, you know, now that's a good omen if I ever saw one in it. Immediately takes Bruce back to the crime alley scene. And does this not look like a straight-up, almost panel-by-panel reference to DKR? I actually got out DKR and yeah. kind of compared them. Yeah. And I was like... Wow, that it, it's very similar, very similar. And uh, the some of the shots it's... of them being out in the yard, you know, like you can see the houses over there, and you're showing, just seeing Bruce out on the property. That's uh, for me was also reminiscent of Dark Knight Returns. And year one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yes. Yeah, you know, this this held a lot of weight back then in 1988 when you see the origin of him in the in the alley with his parents. And it's become such a overused trope now that, you know, every other issue of Batman, you see, uh, you know, the pearls falling. And, of course, I'm exaggerating, but, I mean, back and, then... And that's probably because... And, and it's probably because so many of the people that are writing this stuff now grew up with you know, this stuff where it was impactful back then. Right, right. And that's what they remember. Right, it, but it's so overused now. It makes me wonder if, like, that's a editorial decision that, like, at some way you've got to make one page the Crime Alley PTSD story. Yeah. It, I, I really think that it's a requirement. Yeah, and, and I can understand it being something that they do want to keep represented because yeah. every comic is someone's first, right? You know, that you always yeah. have to be, uh, at the same time that you're catering to the longtime readers, you have to be giving uh, a guiding hand to people who are just coming into it. That's a good exactly. point. Yeah, yes. I don't disagree with that. I know, but it's it's like, what other book does that, though? You don't see in Wolverine, you don't see him, you know— Getting adamantium put on his skeleton in every issue. You don't see Daredevil getting hit by a truck in every issue. You don't see Clark, yeah, getting, they're, you know, flying they're not as from... big as Batman, though. <laughs> you know, they put this in every comic. It's it's funny sometimes to see how every writer and artist do it and how quickly they can just get it done. You know, and it's in every movie, every single movie. Uh, by each director has, has done it as well. Yeah. You kind of have to. I mean, it's like Robin You do? I don't think you do. Well, you don't have to. We didn't need to see that in Batman v Superman. That was so unnecessary. It wasn't our first time. Imagine our first time viewer. Why is this guy, why is this rich man dressing up as a fucking bat? Why? Well, just break it down like that. That uh, Parks and Rec uh, clip that we posted on the Instagram page the other day. (laughs) Batman, a strong gentleman who fights crime (laughs) nocturnally. Children's comic book. I just finished that series. It's so good. If anybody has lost their parents for whatever reason, and they think about their parents on a daily, weekly, whatever, monthly basis, and, and... you know, whatever, cancer, this old age, this, that, the other, fine. But, if, you know, your parents getting shot down in front of you is, uh, it's not a common occurrence. Right. It's going to stick and with it, you. Yeah. You know, and it, again, it shows the PTSD that Bruce yeah. has, you know, that he keeps so coming back to you. you're meant to experience that. Yeah. You're meant to experience the PTSD. But, and you know, and one thing, yeah. one thing that maybe differentiates why you see it so much more often in Batman comics and movies than seeing other characters origins sort of reiterated is because you can so quickly show where Batman's uh, motivation comes from. You know, you can do it very succinctly in just a couple panels, remind people why he is so determined. Yeah. I mean, that's all we're through. We all all have parents, we all have families, we all, you know, we're also Not talking all about are, an 80-year-old character where the <laughs> origin has been established. I mean, everybody know everybody who knows Batman, and everybody knows Batman, everybody knows that his parents were killed in an alley. So yeah. my point is that 
do we need to see it in every movie? No, we don't. I don't feel yeah. we do. Here's what I was waiting for. I was waiting when they showed this scene to show that it was actually Deacon Blackfire that was the killer in the alley. <laughs> and it didn't happen. Uh, Changing <laughs> things like all the movies do. That That's yeah. uh, one of the issues I have with different... Every time a new series of movies comes out, it teaches people some wrong thing. Like, there are so many people out there. There's a generation of people who think that... The Joker killed the Batman's Joker. parents, yeah. and there's a generation of people who think that Ra's al Ghul trained Bruce to be Batman. Yeah. Right, right. We love we we love Stop you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the one thing I hate. Like like when they you know uh, tinker with the origin or whatever. Like just it, it's super basic. It doesn't need to be complicated. Like Joe Chill doesn't need to be anybody other than Joe yeah. Chill. Exactly. And and Penguin doesn't need to be, you know, this mutated thing with flippers. Uh, Selena <laughs> Kyle doesn't need to be a supernatural character who literally has nine no. lives. <laughs> but they did, they did wrap it up and they showed that, you know, all that Bruce has been going, you know, dealing with. Um, you know, he, he says, I always claimed to become the Batman to avenge the death of my parents to fight crime. That was a lie. I really did it to overcome the fear, which circling back around to the beginning of the story, yeah. you know, as he was descending in the fear, he really did it to pull himself out of, you know, his fear of, the, you know, the killer in the alley, his fear of being alone, his fear of, you know, the bats, everything. It's his defense mechanism. Mm -hmm. And that is something that Deacon Blackfire took away. And why, you know, it, he literally broke him. Now we got Batman and Robin getting serious and uh, they're doing all the missile testing. And you see them do the, the cliche, suiting up, getting ready to go to war. <laughs> I love that. And they're like, time to boogie. <laughs> the handshake. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah, like Batman and Robin. Yeah. Cue the 80s soundtrack music. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's like Rocky and uh, Apollo Creed running on the beach. And... <laughs> oh, so the man. panel after this, they start jumping and hugging. Here's another uh, you know reference from the uh, the Dark Knight trilogy by Christopher Nolan. You know, because Batman says, "I've got one more stop to make first. and he goes to visit Commissioner Gordon in the hospital. Yeah, like the Dark Knight Rises there. And he's like, clean that bastard's clock for me, will ya? Then tell that nurse to clean my bedpan. <laughs> <laughs> Batman, what... like, I got you, bro. <laughs> I really wish we could make like a modern version, use the same art, same story, but then we make our own word balloons. We could. We have Photoshop. <laughs> Dave, I need you to make remake all these stories, man. I have dunk. no problem with that. Um, I think we need to start do hashtag Dunk Does Batman. And tease us, too, with his Photoshop skills. <laughs> Definitely. Yo, why not? We, we, we got the team. This vehicle is nuts. So, yeah, Gotham's all locked down. They got the bridges all closed. This... The, the military's monster out there truck. not let people in. Then we see the, the first appearance of Monster Truck Batmobile. With that dome on the top. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure. And a rocket launcher. And... Yeah. yeah. What do you think of the size of those tires, though? Like, <laughs> holy shit. Like the size of a house. I'm like, <laughs> where, where did you buy those, and uh, who was not suspicious when those came yeah. in? Yeah. What, what shell yeah. corporation did he have to buy those through? <laughs> the, the fucking internet would be complaining just... about this right now. Like, oh, oh, of course. So unrealistic. I don't... Yeah, there's you know you know there's no way that you know there's 20 inches. How can you get 20 foot tires? Like seriously. <laughs> and I like that it says Batman and Robin are back in town and we've returned in style. What's funny is though is that you could actually explain away how Batman would would get these giant tires. Like, you know, it it would be very easy to say he owns some team that you know does a monster truck like he uh, he owns gravedigger and you know and it, it's yeah. because it gives him the ability to buy gigantic parts like this and you know do it quietly at the end of the day uh bruce wayne owns a shitload of fucking companies uh and he can do whatever the fuck he wants so um <laughs> I, I want yeah. someone to write into the comics <laughs> that bruce wayne owns disney <laughs> that would be great. Mickey Mouse just shows up on a on a panel out of nowhere, and he's like, "Who the hell are you?" You know, Lucius Fox totally would have uh, procured these tires for for uh, for Bruce in the Nolan films. I mean, like in the '80s, people weren't even fucking thinking about it. It's a comic book, or whatever. All of us have been thinking about that since the 80s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they're blowing people away, but then the little bubble says, like our hand weapons, it fires tranquilizer darts. Yeah, 200 rounds a minute. <laughs> <laughs> 200 <laughs> rounds of tranquilizer dart a minute. Wow. Tranquilizer missile tranquilizer uh, built to sleep for six hours. <laughs> <laughs> Tranquilizers. Yeah, like a tranquilizer. A tranquilizer at that speed is not going to put you to well, put you to sleep, all right. But you're not waking the fuck up. And I mean, like <laughs> most tranquilizers take a little bit of time to go into effect. Yeah. I mean, you got to be like pumping them some serious uh, milligrams of juice in them to knock them out of me. I love it. It's, it's acid. Well, Danny says we want to avoid killing anyone if possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Strong words, if possible. Yeah. You're hitting about like, like like three shots per second. So if you hit one person with like four of those, what's going to happen? They just go to sleep. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> you have to go night night. <laughs> uh, and they save one guy. They save one guy because they want him to go back and say, Batman's back. And then at the bottom, it's like, unlike the army, I'm not afraid to cause a little property damage. And I'm just like, oh, God, when DVS came up. White Knight. No, Man of Steel, <laughs> they destroyed the city and people were bitching. Like, oh, God. it's a fucking comic book. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Just let it go, guys. So Batman's basically going through Gotham, tranking every underworlder that he can. They go to this part of town where they've hung all the cops and people, you know, from the the light posts. Yeah. That was awful. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh. I like I like when uh, there's that panel where the guys have the uh, bazooka, but right before that guy fires the bazooka at them, he fires 
<laughs> you can see him firing a tranquilizer missile that's blasting a hole in the concrete right in front of that guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right in front of his foot. <laughs> fucking hilarious. There's homeless people with bazookas and all types of shit. <laughs> it's all acid. Then they, they roll in Gravedigger into Times Square. They keep showing Times Square a lot. Yeah, it makes me think that he drew that Shot one time and then put like one of those clear acetate pages over it and then just kind of drew the characters over that because he didn't want to keep redrawing it. Batman's hilarious. He says, stand ready. Things are about to get rough. <laughs> Where the fuck have you been? <laughs> <laughs> been up in that truck firing uh, <laughs> sleepy time missiles at people. <laughs> they go down inside the cellar and there's, you know, Tranking more, more underworlders fighting them in hand-to-hand battle. Then we get a big showdown between, uh, you know, Batman and Deacon Blackfire in like a pit. And see, I was right. He is Demon Blackfire because he looks like a demon there in that that panel. <laughs> yes, you're right. Go. Go. Exactly. <laughs> That's where I was. Yeah. And you know, Deacon Blackfire tells him that. He does really actually have a death wish, and in his mind, that's his way of basically becoming a martyr. He he wants Batman to kill him, and Batman. Well, Gramps, you, you had brought up the the Nolan trilogy earlier. This reminds me of uh, <clears throat> the scene with the Joker in the street, and the, the like. You know, essentially, the Joker wants Batman to run him over, mm-hmm. so he's a martyr for uh, I don't know, just another parallel between this book and that series. And that was also in. Um... The 89 when uh, yes. he's flying in the Batwing and he's firing at the ground. I don't know why he's firing at yes. the ground. And he just stands there <laughs> waiting for it to yeah. hit him and then just fires one shot at him. Yeah, and Batman wasn't firing tranquilizers in. Nope. No. <laughs> nope. Not even close. And just like in DKR, he, Batman realizes that, you know, if I defeat and embarrass the leader, the gang is going to, like, you know, turn oh, on. Man. Yeah. And he kicks the shit out of him. That's like a nine panel ass whoop right there. <laughs> yeah. Step by step. Uh Oh, <clears throat> what happens... like, um, you know, like when, uh, when, when the kids show up, like, uh, when it's like, Oh, to, to be, when you go to jail, I don't know. We've never been to jail, but when you get locked up and you, you watch these movies and it's like, I got to beat the most toughest guy here. Batman does that in nine panels. Mm, Real yeah. quick. And he says, may God forgive me. I enjoy it. Sounds <laughs> uh, like Dexter. Yeah, because, you know, he, he finally comes to his senses and he's like, you know what? He knows you're not going to kill him, but he needs to really make it, um, you know, an impression on him and release his aggression on what he what Deacon has, like, put him through. So the best he can do is just beat the shit out of him and strategically just, like, Implement pain. Make him look bad. Exactly. And all this Everything. time, I'm wondering where where's Robin in all this. But as we see, there's Jake. He's watching all this, and he's pulling out a gun because he knows that Deacon is losing. And he's like, "Say goodbye, Batman." And he's about to pull the trigger, but then here comes one of those trank darts to the neck of Jake. And Robin's been watching his back the entire time. Jake is down. And then they essentially leave him to die. Well, he, yeah. The underworlders yeah. turn on him, yeah. yeah Batman that... was like, I can't, I can't do anything with this. I can't. I, I'm not going to jump in here. Like, well, I'm not going to survive right, to jump in. 
Robin's ready to get down, and Batman said, there's nothing we could do. Yeah, quitter. Get in there. <laughs> <laughs> like... Can't or won't. <laughs> He's like, no, we're good. And then Batman has one final uh, act. He he wants to not only uh, defeat the the cult, but he wants to defeat the symbol of uh, Deacon Blackfire and goes to the uh, totem and blows it up. That's the end of the book. Yeah, he burns it. Yeah, well, that's what started everything for him because it was like that was that's what changed him and that's what made him um, uh, follow uh, Deacon Blackfire. And he's like, oh, wait, this is only four foot tall, not, you know, the <laughs> 30 foot thing that I saw when I was on acid. Let me just uh, make sure this doesn't happen to me again. Let me just trash it. It also but, kind of shows that, you know, he, he's a little superstitious, too, you know, because he says, right. I know it's just a hunk of old wood, but I don't care. There's some things in life you just don't take chances with. Because, I mean, there was some kind of supernatural element to Deacon Blackfire, right? I mean, it, it, yeah. sure. We, we yeah, really actually definitely. don't even see him die. I think he was brought back in... A couple of later stories. I'm not that sure. That was going to be my next question. Like, does he does he return in the comics? Yeah. I mean, he does like. Yeah, he was in um, Detective recently. Yeah, but I mean, like after after this uh, was published, did he appear in the 90s at all? Uh, I I think he came around at some point, but he's been used real sparingly. Right. Uh, most people really only know him from uh, Arkham Knight. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly an interesting character, just like with. You know, we 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 mentioned Raza al Ghul. He's one of those characters that he he twists people's minds to follow him because he sees himself as a savior or convinces them that he's a savior and he can make what's right, what's wrong with the world. You know, there's that philosopher Albert Camus who has this famous quote that says, "The welfare of humanity is always the alibi of tyrants." Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, look at look at uh, Raj. Uh, Raish, whatever, compared to Demon Blackfire, where Raish is, you know, he's very ideological and he, um, you know, his desire to kill humanity to save the planet is a sort of a, tw- a twisted altruism where Deacon Blackfire is just like this kind of low-rent thug who, uh, you know, came to power without even realizing that that he could. Two very different people. But the the methods he uses to convince these people to follow him is is what his twisted ideology is what what he uses and he uses you know people's weaknesses against them. Right. Here's a guy that, hey, I can fix things that, that are going wrong in your life if you'll just follow me. Right. You know? Right. Trump Maga. Trump <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, well, this it's, was it's it's, it's more. It's like well, most politicians or most religious figures. It's like, hey, hey guys, follow me. Everything's gonna be alright if you yeah. do what I tell you to do. And um, and then you have like similar to the book, you have these cults that tell you the same thing. It's like, you know, let, let me um, let me sleep with your wives and your daughters or or whatever. But um, in this sense, uh, Batman got caught because he was he was weak at this moment and. Um, he re- luckily, luckily, Batman, like we, we, we notice in most of his past stories, he has this uh, plan where in his mind he understands where it's like it's a dream or it's something's wrong and he can snap himself out of it like he did here. 
but yeah, it uh, shows you know most regular people can't figure it out. Right. You're right. I mean, he he got caught slipping because he saved you know a hot dog vendor. It always comes back to hot dogs, but <laughs> he saved a hot dog vendor from some punks, but then he didn't realize that there was a third punk that shot him in the back. And that's how the underworlders, you know, dragged him down below. Well, guys, if there's one thing to be bad have from this uh, podcast is that I need to change my IG handle. I've got to rebrand myself here. Oh, Colt's going to disappear again. Don't do that, please. All right, so let's give it a rating system. Tease us. How many hot dogs? I'm, I mean, I'm giving it a uh, solid four out of five. Okay. We got four. Yeah. For, I mean, you know, maybe four and a half. I felt like um, story-wise and art, it was on point. Like, like I said before, to me, like, the colors really helped navigate the story even more than the words. So I was very, like, intrigued by that. And um, I would like to see, you know, it would be amazing if Deacon came back in, like, a second story. You know, like the story ended very uh, open ended, and I feel like he could be revisited in like 20 years, you know, or or more, obviously. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Robin, out of five, Timmy Hortons, oh. what do you give it? <laughs> uh, I go with four too. Uh, it's it's a well written story. It's obviously been uh, very influential. It came out at uh, at a key time. Uh, the only thing that brings it down at all for me is there are points where. There are it's and it's not really the fault of the creators, but there are parts where some of the lingo and uh, you know, things like that uh, just date it for me and remind me that uh, I'm reading something from the 80s. But aside from that, yeah, top notch. Cult of the Batman. I would say four and a half out of five. Uh, mm. Half a pint off for the um, the issue I brought up earlier with you guys was the uh the segue from issue three to issue four there was that kind of blip there uh, which i didn't find believable with him just after a week um ready to just jump back in uh like almost pretty much recovered which didn't make sense other than that uh you know back in the day robin that lingo was dated in 88 and i remember reading yeah. it in 88 and thinking god this is corny they wouldn't talk like this so that's, all, that's always been a, an issue as well so yeah points off for that so 4.5 for me 4.5 that's still really high yeah it's well, a great well, it's a well great played. yeah well it's a great book dunk what how many how, how many michael jordan free throw line dunks do you give this oh man um i'm gonna go along with the four similar to what everyone else has said it's um it's a it's a really good read. A lot going on. A lot of differences when it comes to the Batman character going to the eighties. A lot of similarities to DKR. Yeah, I I I, I don't know. It's a really good read, and um, yeah, I'm a I'm a six to a four, four point four out of five. There's nothing else I can say that anyone else hasn't said yet. All right, Grumps, what you got, man? Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, four out of five. Four grumps out of five. Um, okay. I'm not a huge Brandy Ryson guy. Like, I enjoyed. I think I enjoyed the colors more than the pencils. Yes. And uh, some of the similarities from to DKR, which I didn't realize to be honest, uh, took away slightly. 
But um, uh, it's just amazing. Even even uh, I read it, you know, again today. And after talking with you guys for the last hour or whatever, it's I've enjoyed it even more. So uh, I'll go with four out of five. Hmm, solid. Vigilantes and villains. What you got, man? I would have to give it a good five. Um, Ooh, the, five. Yeah. Reason being is because I'm just a little bit biased on my end because I like to read these Elseworld different types of Batman stories that really nobody else is reading and that no one pays attention to anymore. Like, that's kind of what interests me. It always did, always will. I don't know why. It's just how I'm made up, I guess, if that's what you want to call it. Um, You know, it's like the villain was different. It wasn't your typical... Every day, you know, Two-Face Joker, you know, um, and I emphasize Joker because he's in every single Batman book possible. And even in this one, he was in there for a second. But um, I'm just happy enough that there was a, a good, solid villain that potentially could come back and be canon at some point currently. Um, you know, it's just like those 90s characters, those late 80s characters that are completely irrelevant, just drop off and no one ever hears from them again. And they're they're pretty good. You know, they have a good background, a good origin story, and they could always be used again. Other than that, I mean, there's really nothing else more I could really say about so the book. Five out of five, that's like an all-time classic then, huh? Yeah, for me, absolutely. You know, like I, like I said, Starlin, it was a guy that I totally underestimated, um, and I, I just associated him with Thanos and, like, you know, him being in space and being all trippy and writing about like all this mystical stuff. And I, that's kind of why I disregarded the whole fact of just never picking up anything by Starlin until one of the uh, Bat Force members, uh, Grumps, was like, yeah, yo, you got to, you know, you got to read about Starlin. He's good. And then, you know, it opened up my mind, thank, thankfully enough. I was like, well, you know, this guy understands the Batman pretty well. Yeah. You know, so let me see what else he did. And then I saw the cult. And I was been meaning to pick it up for a long time, and then you guys are doing the review, and I was like, "All right, it's time to pull the trigger." (laughs) Well, I'm glad you did. Five out of five. Wow, that's a that's a that's a home run. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Graham? What do you get it? What do I get it? Okay. Well, uh, yeah, I think this is a story that has a lot of uh, re-readability. Is that a word? Yeah. Yes. Why not? And like I said, I you know what? Yes. I think Robin might have said it. If you read this and then DKR, it's almost like, you know, yeah, I think that they fall in the same vein and right up my alley for what I like to see. And this one was really had a lot of like horror elements that you don't see in a lot unless um, you pick up some Kelly Jones, Red Rain and and, and all that horror stuff, which I really enjoyed. Um I would love to see this in like an absolute version or for sure a black and white noir version. I'm, I'm going to go with a 4.25. Ooh, okay. 4.25. I mean, that's kind of the consensus average right there. Yeah. It, yeah. It, this is like, to me, I think one of the most underappreciated and, and to me, it's almost like, right up there with some of the best Batman titles of all time, but you don't hear a lot of fanfare about it. And you know, I, don't I know wanted why. to ask you, I want to ask you why, you know, I'm really happy that you chose it and I want to know why you chose it. I wanted to same here. I wanted to see what other people thought about it. I chose it because 
had a lot of strong relevancy to societies today as much as it did back then. But also, I just think it's one of those books that a lot of people don't know about it, and they need to be introduced to you know this style of Batman. Right. When people read a book like this, they see how oh this ties into you know the modern versions of Batman, and then also the movies that you know a lot of these uh, movies pull off from. Right. Could could you do a book like this today and get away with it, or would the internet lose its mind? Man, that'd be tough. I don't. I think it'd have to be a black label book. Yeah, it would totally. I think. I think. I think. Um, you could. You could. But it's like similar to the '80s. I, I don't think you people will understand it until later on. Hmm. I, I, I think they tear it to pieces if you attempted something like this today. I know, especially you know, with some of the they don't even mask it. There's you know some bigotry in there, you know that. Uh, yeah. You know, between the pimp and and then yeah. rat face and all that stuff, and yeah. yeah, you know, they would they would eat that alive, but. That's actually, it's not representative of, you know, the writer or the artist's points of view no. and beliefs. Uh-huh. It's just a it's just a mirror of society. Yeah. I, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that definitely. was absolutely New York at that point of time. Absolutely. I mean, you couldn't walk through Times Square. It was just, that's the way it was. Um, yeah. Call to the Batman could attest to that. That's... <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, just not for, you know, for whatever reason, but that's just the way it was back then. Yeah, man, it was. It was. You know, I was coming to the city when I was a kid, you know, like, in, you know, in the uh, late 70s. And I remember walking around with my parents and, um, and you know, feeling really unsafe. Yeah. Uh, it's just what it was. Wait, I grew up right across the river, and my parents never brought me into New York until about... Uh, I don't know, I was in high school, so 2000, uh, 2002, uh, it was, and it was, anything it was before that. Gone, yeah, exactly. My mom, my mom, my mom thinks New York today is uh, the same as it was in the 90s or the 80s. Mm-hmm. So it's like to get my mom into Manhattan, like I have to be next to her because yeah. she's still scared that that's that's the way it is. And I'm like, Mom, are you kidding me? Which is like, oh, you have nothing to worry about. So for my mother to be around, I'm like, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna guard the hell out of her. But she, she knows. She still has that fear of how bad it was back in the '80s when, you know, she first got here in the '70s, which is, you know, which yeah. is nuts. And she still right. has that fear. Right. And that's just funny right. how we're, we're reading a book how fear uh, enables people. And here, here's my mom. The same thing. Like the fear enables her from actually enjoying what the city is now today. Okay, that concludes our review of Batman the Cult, written by Jim Starlin, art by Bernie Wrightson, color artist Bill Ray, with lettering by John Costanza, published by DC Comics. This title is another in a long list of recommended reading and influential stories that help shape the mythos of the Dark Knight as we know him today in the comics and on-screen film adaptations. Thank you for tuning in to Bat Force Radio.